Welcome to Power for Victorious Living. We believe the gospel and the kingdom of God have real answers for every area of your life. Get ready to discover the answers you need and the power that can change your life. Each show, you will receive practical, biblical insight as you hear a clear, creative, and encouraging message to help you understand how the gospel has the power to help you live a victorious life. And now, here's your host, Wes Harden. Hey, listen, I want to go ahead and get this thing kicked off and... Um we're talking about, we're in a faith series here that uh, the Lord mentioned to me a couple weeks ago, and he said, teach on faith. And so it's a vital part of our, our walk with the Lord and stuff, but it's also uh, something that's very misunderstood. And so I hope this blesses you to help you understand, because here's the thing, we're going to talk about release your faith because things happen when you do. And so we started off talking about, uh, you know, how faith and grace, you got to, you understand, you have to understand the relationship between faith and grace in order for you to understand faith. So we talked about, you know, what faith isn't and all those things. Things that you know, it's not making God do something. It's really realizing that God has already done something, and that it's simply our positive response to what He has already done. And so, I want to pray, and let's get this thing kicked off. So, Father, I just pray right now. I pray, give me, uh, uh, give me um, an unction, Father, and the ability to uh, speak, God. I believe that you're going to do that. Cause your word says in First Corinthians chapter one, verse five, that I've been enriched with all speech and utterance. So, I'm just believing by faith, God, that as I speak, that your grace and favor and anointing is going to be upon this. And I pray, give me and the the listeners ears to hear, to to receive by revelation the things that you're going to speak, Father. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we left off at First Corinthians chapter two, verse twelve, and let's start there. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we, that have been freely given to us by God. So here's the first key. You can't receive by faith something that grace hasn't already provided. So here's the thing. We need a revelation of what God has already given us by his spirit. Okay. So that's what we need. We need to know because it, it says that it says God is we have received the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So it's by revelation that by, by God's spirit that we begin to understand the things that God has freely given to us. And so that's what we're we're praying. So here's the thing is if you're listening to this, you need to you need to pray and ask the Lord to give you a revelation of everything that he has done for you and everything he has given you already. And so that would be my prayer to you, and that's my continual prayers. Okay, Lord, if I'm not trying to get you to do something and you've already done something for me, then give me a revelation. Quicken that to me because it has to go beyond information to become revelation for it to really uh, change your life. And so let's just pray real quick. You can pray with me, and we're going to pray and just believe the Lord to give us, as we're listening to this, even as I'm teaching, as you're listening, that the Lord will give us a revelation of everything that he has given us. So, Father, I just pray right now, just as I did, give us a revelation. Lord, your word says that you've given us, you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that you, your divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And God, we just pray by our, that you would give us a revelation of everything that you have already accomplished and finished in the work of Jesus. Give us an understanding of what you've done so that we can receive it by faith. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, and that's also a prayer you could pray over and over and over. You know, Paul, he prayed, uh, you know, in the book of Ephesians, he prayed multiple times that the churches he was, he had helped start. Hey, I pray that you, you know, he didn't say it in Ephesians. He didn't say, hey, I pray that you, you know, that God would do something for you. No, he said, hey, I pray that you would begin to understand everything, get a revelation of everything that God has already done for you in Christ. So, Pray that prayer every day and say, Father, you know, if you need healing, ask the Lord to give you revelation uh, of, of that he's already healed you, that, that he's already prospered, that he's already given you peace and joy and, and wisdom and knowledge, all these things. You can pray that prayer all the time, and I encourage you to do it. So here we go. So here's the, here's the key I want you to write down. It says, here's the key. There is more going on than just what you can perceive with your five senses. Okay. There's more going on than what you can perceive with your five senses. What do I mean by that? Well, what are your five senses? You can, you know, see, smell, hear, taste, you know, touch. There's there's more going on than what you can perceive with just your five senses. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing. You have to understand there's more than just the natural world that you see. See, all of reality consists of not just the natural world, but the spiritual world. Okay, and that's and we're gonna begin to see that. So you have to understand as we're because we're talking about faith, right? How does this relate? We're talking about faith, learning how to release our faith so that things happen when we release our faith. Well, we have to understand that all of reality consists of not just the seen, which is the physical world, but the unseen, which is the spiritual world. And as we understand that, then we can begin to release our faith and see things manifest, right? Because God has given us promises. God has moved in the spirit as we're going to see. He's done these things. But our faith is what allows the spiritual world and the promises God has given us there to manifest and change this this physical world. So you say, Wes, where do you get that from? Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, and it says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here's the thing. You have to understand, carnally minded doesn't mean sinful minded. It just, there, that word, I believe that word is the word uh, carne, which is where we get like, like chili con carne. It just means you're, you're dominated, your, sense, your mind is dominated only by what it can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And if that's the case, and if the only thing that's real to you is the natural world, then you're never going to be able to understand the promises of God that he's given us and what he's done in the spiritual world. See that, believe that, and then let that trump and, and, and change the physical world that we do live in. Because that's what we're talking about. How do we release our faith? Right. So that things happen because it's all about, you know, we want to see fruit in our prayer life. We want to see the promises of God manifest in our life. Well, we first have to understand there's an unseen world. And if we're more mindful and dominated by the by our five senses and we're not dominated by the word of God and the spirit of God on the inside of us, if we're not spiritually minded, then we don't have that life and peace that the word talks about. OK, so that's what we're talking about here. So let me give you an example. OK, so, you know. There's because we're talking about, you know, things that you can't see. Right. There's more going on than just what you can see with your five senses. See, even though even in the natural world, there's more. You can't perceive everything in the natural world. Let me give you an example. Wi-Fi. OK. Right. When you when you log into the router and stuff, there's a signal being transmitted from the that Wi-Fi router to your phone, your computer, your tablet, all those things. But you can't see it. But just because you can't see it with your five senses doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and doesn't mean that it's not there. Right. So we have to understand that just because I can't perceive something doesn't mean that it's not there and doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Let me give you another example. Your phone, your cell phone. Right. You can't see the signal that's being transmitted thousands of miles up to a satellite and being transmitted back down for you to receive a text or a phone call and all these things. So it's there. 
But just because you can't perceive it with your eyes, your ears, right? You can't touch it. All just because you can't see it or perceive it with your five senses doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? That your little phone, when you look at it and you see at the top left or right, wherever your signal bar is, if it tells you you have three bars, well, you act accordingly. And so then you make a phone call. If it says you have no bars, then guess what? You probably don't make a call. So you're already learned. You've already been trained really to learn how to walk by faith and, 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 and what you can't see because you do it every day. Wi-Fi, your cell phone. See, here's the thing is that those things, even though you can't see them, you believe that they're there. And you, you act accordingly. Well, that's no different. That's what exactly what faith does. Faith says, okay, Lord, there's, a, there's an unseen world in the spirit world. And you have given me all these promises and all these things. And so then what I do is I say, I believe that and I act accordingly. See, you, you've already been trained to do these things. You've already been trained to walk by faith. You do it every day with your cell phone, with your Wi-Fi, with all these other things. You know, you can't see radiation, right? You can't see other things. There's stuff that you can't, you can't see a satellite signal. But because... You know, you you understand and believe that, hey, just because I can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. Well, you act accordingly and you you you're able to walk by faith, even though you don't see it. So that's exactly what we're talking about. Just because you can't perceive it doesn't mean it's not there. So there's more going on than just what you can sense with your five senses. Okay, so here's the thing. This is my next topic here. Next segment. There is a spirit realm. There is a spirit realm. And that's what I'm talking about. All of reality right is more than it's not just the physical world that you see there's a spiritual reality because hebrews tells us that the unseen spiritual world actually is what birthed the seen natural world okay so and that's what we're going to establish with you okay is that there is a spirit world because we're talking about faith how do we release our faith so that things happen when we do release our faith well you've got to understand first there's there's more than meets the eye there's more than what you can hear there's more than what you can touch and that is the spirit realm okay so here's the key there is more then the physical realm, there's a spirit realm where God has already done his part. Okay? So God has already done his part. So we get this from John chapter 4, verse 24. It says, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, so God's a spirit. So we've already established, and I'm going to continue to establish, that there's a spirit realm. So God is a spirit. So if he's going to move, where is he going to move? He's going to move in the spirit realm. Well, we're going to begin to talk about that uh, as well. Another witness in the Word that helps us establish this truth, that there is a spirit realm, is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. So he, he, he just explained that you're a three-part being. You are a spirit being, right? You have a mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. So the, the body's in the physical realm. Your mind is the soulish realm, and then the spirit is the, is the spirit realm. So you, you are existing simultaneously in multiple realms at the same time, but most people, they're only cognizant or aware of the fact that you know they're, they're, they only think that they're dwelling in the physical realm and maybe even the emotional soulish realm, but they never think that, hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a spirit being, and I'm also simultaneously dwelling in that. So here's the thing. There is a spirit realm, and we see this from these scriptures. God is a spirit. You at your core is a spirit. That's the part of you that gets born again when you get saved. All right. Now let's also go to 2 Kings chapter uh, 6, verse 8 through 17. Okay. So we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6 because what we're establishing here is that there is a spirit realm. Okay. So we're going to do that. So we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6 because we get everything from the Word of God. And what this is going to show us is that it's going to show us the reality or the realness 
of the spiritual realm. Okay, so I'm going to start in 2 Kings chapter 6, and it says this. It says, um, verse, let's see, verse 8. It says, Now the king of Assyria uh, was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such place. And the, man, and the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. So basically what it was is that there was a, a, an army against Israel, and whenever that, that other king would make uh, strategies against the king of Israel, that the prophet, the man of God, would hear, from, would hear from the Lord and begin to reveal those strategies to the king of Israel. Okay, so that's what's going on here. So it says... Um, Verse 9, And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the king of the heart of Syria was greatly troubled in this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? What he was saying is, listen, hey, there's a traitor amongst us. So what he was saying is like, there's somebody, every time I make a strategy, the king of Israel knows. So he said, there must be a traitor amongst us. All right, so let's keep reading. In, number, in verse 12, it says, And one of his servants said, There's no traitor here, my lord, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber, your bedroom, right? So that's what he's saying. So then in verse 13, So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. All right, so basically the king of Israel, his his plans were getting spoiled by the man of God because God was speaking to him. The, the, the prophet was then telling Israel so that he didn't fall into those traps. So now he's sending out, right? So this king's probably irritated, right? So he's sending men out to go find Elisha. And so that's where we have uh, it. Says this, it says in verse 14, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Okay. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went off, there was an army surrounded the city with horses and chariots. Now, how many knows if you woke up in the morning and you saw this, you would probably be terrified because you know that you've been, you know, t basically telling, title telling on the on the, this king who's out to get you. And because the Lord spoke to you, you told you told your king, and now that king that you were telling on is now come. He's probably not going to be friendly with you. You're probably going to feel a little threatened, right? So it says this, and his servant said to him, "Alas, my master, what shall we do?" So this is this was the servant of Elisha, right? So what he was saying is, he woke up, he saw this army surrounding him. He's like, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? They're here for us." Because he knew that his 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 master, which was Elisha, had been telling the king of Assyria's battle plans to the king of Israel, his king. So he's like, "Oh my gosh, they're here to get us." Now here, he said, "Wes, what does this guy to do?" We're establishing that there is a spirit realm. Right? There's more than just what you see. There is more than the natural, and that's what I'm trying to get you to see because we're talking about faith, but you've got to understand that there's a spirit realm out there, so there's more to reality than just the natural. Okay, so that's what we're talking about, and this is what we're going to see here in 2 Kings chapter 6. So verse 16, it says, So Elisha answered, Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now hold up. Hold up. There was only two. There was, there was Elisha and his servant. Right, maybe if if you other guys with them, but it says um, in verse, let's see, it says in verse fourteen that the king of Assyria sent horses and chariots and a great army there. Now hold up, I mean it could be several hundred, it could be several thousand, but a great army that's probably a lot. You probably figure a couple of thousand uh, soldiers and chariots and all that stuff. So 
Elisha said in verse 16, though, he says, don't fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, hold up. In the natural, what Elisha and the servant were seeing were a great army in front of them. But then Elisha said this. He's like, ah, there's more for us than those that are against us. Well, if you were there, you'd be like, okay, do you not see these thousands of people? And then there's only us two. Like, are you crazy? What you 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 must you, where did you go to school because you can't count, right? So verse seventeen gives us a clue. It says this, and Elisha prayed and said, "Lord, I pray, open his eyes." Talking about his servant, he says, "Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see." Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Okay, now hold up. This is what we're talking about here. I'm trying to get you to understand. You have to understand there is a spiritual world. And so there's more to more. There's more than what meets the eye. There's more than what you can hear. More than what you can taste. More than what you can smell. More than what you can touch. In other words, there is a spiritual world, and that's what we see here. Because that's the thing is that what Elisha saw in the natural didn't match up. I mean, sorry, excuse me. What the servant of Elisha saw in the natural didn't line up with what he when what Elisha was telling him was in the spirit. Okay. So here's the thing. Here's a key. You need to write this down. The physical realm does not accurately reflect what's true in the spirit realm. That's what we saw, because it's in the in the natural. There was thousands of thousands of people, thousands of uh, soldiers and stuff, and there was only two of of um, you know Elisha and his servant. Okay, but Elisha said, "Nope, there's more for us than there are for them." So here's the key: the physical realm does not accurately reflect what's true in the spirit realm. So here's the thing, because we're talking about faith. Faith is simply describing what is true in the spirit, but hasn't yet manifested itself into the physical realm. I'm going to say that again. Faith is simply describing what is true in the spirit realm, but hasn't yet manifested into the physical realm. Well, that's what happened. Is there was in the spirit, there were a lot more for Elisha than there were uh, in the physical realm for uh, the, the king of Assyria and his army. Right, so this is what you got to understand when you when talking about faith and releasing your faith, you have to understand that sometimes the physical world and the spiritual world don't line up. So when God gives you a promise, it's you're describing something that is true. You're not believing something that's fake. You're believing something that is actually true. It's just in the unseen spirit world, but it exists. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist anymore just because you can't see it. No more than your cell phone signal or Wi-Fi doesn't exist, but just because you can't see it. It exists. Even though you can't see it, it does exist. And the Word of God explains that the spirit world is just as real. And it's actually, like I said earlier in Hebrews, Hebrews says that, it's the spiritual world, the unseen world that actually birthed the the natural world. It's actually more real than what we than the natural world and stuff. So when you're believing, when God gives you a promise, then you're often going to see a disconnect, or it's not going to match up because the physical world and the spiritual world are not going to look. They're not going to line up. In other words. So what do you do? Then you're going to have to be more focused on what the Word of God says, so you see what's in the spirit world by faith. It's there. It exists. Just like signal for your cell phone, just like Wi-Fi, it's there. It exists, but you've got to get in the Word to begin to see it by faith. It's there, but you got to see it by faith. You got to believe it by faith, and then as you see it by faith, you're describing what is true in the spirit, but it just hasn't yet manifested in the physical realm. But it is in fact real, and it is it 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 is real, right? Hebrews also says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It didn't say they didn't exist. It just says you can't. See them. Well, how is that? You can't see them with your five senses, but they do exist. So it's the same thing there. 
So you've got to understand that there is a spiritual realm. So we've already established that here, and there's a couple other places I'm gonna I could go to to help you uh, see this, but we've only got so much time here in this one episode. So the next the next uh, segment here, the next topic is okay. We established that there is a spiritual realm because we're talking about faith. How do we release our faith to so that things happen when we do when we do release our faith? Well, we understand that there is an unseen realm. And that that is true, and we've got to focus on that, and that when we focus on that, it can then manifest in the physical realm. So here's the thing. Now we're talking about this. God moves in the spirit realm. Spirit realm. So we established this, John 4, 24, that God is a spirit. Okay, so God is a spirit. And so God, where does he move? He moves in the spirit realm. Just because you don't see God moving doesn't mean that he's not moving. Okay, just because you can't see the Wi-Fi signal doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see your cell phone signal doesn't mean it's not there. It's moving, but you just can't see it. Okay, so God, where does he move? He's a spirit. So he's going to move in the spirit realm. Okay, so here's the thing. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9, and let's start there. So this is essentially, so Daniel, he, he um, there had been a prophecy from Jeremiah um, concerning you know, uh, Israel's captivity, and so uh, about 70 years, and so Daniel was seeking um, seeking answers to that because it you know been past 70 years and so he's like well okay wait Lord you said we'd be you know that they've been captive for 70 years things weren't lining up with what God said and and what was in the natural wasn't lining up so he was seeking on uh, you know seeking the Lord about revelation of that come to find out it wasn't just 70 uh, 70 weeks or whatever it was actually talking about you know much longer period which we won't get into that and stuff but so that's kind of the context here is Daniel is seeking the Lord about um, about a revelation from the Lord. So he starts this prayer, all right, because we're talking about God moves in the spirit world. So he starts this prayer in verse 3. So Daniel starts praying, okay? And then a few minutes later, so he, and you can read these in verses 3 through uh, verse 19 in uh, Daniel chapter 9, you see that he's praying. So he spent several minutes in prayer, all right? And then it shows in verse 20 that Gabriel shows up. And it says this in verse 20. It says, now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached, uh, reached, uh, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. So Daniel had been praying for several minutes, right? And then Gabriel showed up and he says, I've come in answer to your prayer to give you skill to help you understand. Now, we said, Wes, what does it have to do with anything? Everything. We're going to see that God, okay, there's a, number one, there's, we've established there's a spirit, spirit realm, okay? But God is a spirit and he moves in the spirit realm. And just because... He, he, just because you haven't seen him move doesn't mean that he hasn't moved. Okay, and that's what we're going to see in verse 23. It says this, At the beginning of your supplications, at the beginning of your prayer, the command went out. Now hold up. If you read this prayer, it takes several minutes to get through. So Daniel had been praying for several minutes. Okay, and then Gabriel showed up. But Gabriel gives us clues that at the very beginning of his prayer, God sent out the command and answered his prayer. Okay? So... At the beginning of your prayer, at the beginning of your supplications, the command from God went out, and I've come to I've come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. But here's the thing: there was a there was a, there was a gap between whenever he started praying, and and then and then when the angel showed up with the answer, the manifestation. 
So because Gabriel says that as soon as you started praying, he says at the beginning of your prayer, he says God sent the command and boom, it went out. In other words, God answered his prayer immediately. But Daniel didn't see the manifestation of that prayer immediately. And so it was a couple minutes later that he saw the manifestation. So this is what I want to show you. That remember we said that that the spirit realm and the natural realm don't always line up. Well, here's the thing is in the natural, right? Daniel didn't see a manifestation of God answering his prayer, but Gabriel gives us insight and says, immediately, immediately God answered your prayer. He moved in the spirit world. You didn't see it, but he moved instantly. Okay, so we see that. So now I want you to see this, all right? So notice that God moved in the spirit world at the very beginning of Daniel's prayers. Now we're going to see this again in Daniel chapter 10. Verse uh, starting with verse two, because some people say, well, you know, when I pray, you know, God can just make it, you know, just manifest instantly. Well, God spoke. He says at the beginning of your supplication, the command went out. But then Gabriel, it was several minutes later that Gabriel actually manifested. So when God speaks, it's not it's not just boom instantaneously because there can be a buffering or there can be a, uh, uh, you know, where the enemy tries to, uh, you know, hinder things. And we're going to see that here in Daniel chapter 10. So. Okay, so Daniel, he, you know, in chapter 9, he prays, and then, you know, a couple minutes later, he sees the answer to his prayer. He's probably pretty excited about this. I mean, man, you pray, and then you get the answer to your prayer three minutes, four minutes, five minutes later. That would pretty much get you excited. Well, then you would think, man, his faith would be high, and the next time he prays, it's just going to manifest instantly. Okay, but hold up. We're going to see something here in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. And let's start. He says uh, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, it's, Daniel says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning or praying and seeking the Lord for three full weeks. Okay? He was seeking the Lord for three or four weeks. That's key. Now, let's skip down to um, verse 10. And it says, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, talking about the angel, and he said to me, Daniel, O Daniel, man greatly beloved and understood, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Verse 12, then the angel said to Daniel, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because your words. Hold up. So just like in chapter 10, this has been three weeks later. Daniel prays in chapter nine. He and, and it's and he prays. It says that immediately, immediately the command went out. God answered him as soon as he prayed, but it didn't manifest until three minutes later, three, four, five minutes later, however long it took him to pray that prayer. So then in, in chapter ten, he's praying and seeking the Lord again. It's now three weeks, almost three weeks later, and and Angel says this. Listen, from day one, this you know twenty one days ago, day one from the first day that you set your heart to uh, before. Uh, that you set your heart to understand and you humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. Okay, so the command went out immediately. In other words, what I'm saying is, is there's a spirit world, and when God moves, he moves, and just because you don't see it doesn't mean that he didn't move. He didn't move. He moved, but you that you didn't see it. So just because you can't see it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Okay, so from the first day, that you set your heart, the angel said to Daniel, the first day, God heard your word immediately, and that's why Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. Well, here's the thing. The Bible doesn't lie. Jesus don't lie. He said, everyone who asks receives. Well, God answers your prayer immediately. But, as we're going to see here in, in verse 13, that the enemy comes to hinder. Okay? So it says in verse 13, he says, listen, verse 12 says, from the first day, 
And then it says, your words were heard. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in later days, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, but we see an, uh, an established principle that just because you can't see it doesn't mean that nothing's going on. God spoke immediately in both times. One, right, he, he, he answered Daniel's prayer immediately. But then a couple in the first, in the ninth chapter, a couple minutes later, there was a manifestation. God answered him immediately, but it, the manifestation wasn't until three minutes later, four minutes, five minutes later. But God instantly answered his prayer. But there was a there was a delay in the manifestation. Same thing in chapter ten. God answers his prayer immediately, but then it didn't manifest until twenty one days later. Why? Because enemy the enemy hindered him. Now this is something you need to understand: is Daniel was an Old Testament saint. Right, the cross hadn't happened, the blood of Jesus hadn't been shed, and so that he wasn't forgiven, you know, of transgressions and sins. He didn't have the authority that we do. Okay, so Daniel, Daniel couldn't take authority over Satan. If this happens to us now, when you're praying, God instantly, everyone who asks receives. So as soon as you pray something according to the word, boom, God answers it immediately. But then the enemy tries to come and hinder. But Daniel, he was a new, an Old Testament saint, so he had no authority over Satan. So all he could do is outlast him to see the manifestation. Me and you are different because now we have authority. Jesus has already defeated Satan. And so now and when we're praying and believing for something, we pray according to the word, boom. First John says that we that when we pray according to his word, we know that we hear him and we know that we have those things that we've asked of him. Instantly, everyone who asks receives. If you pray according to the word, instantly God has already sent the command. He's already answered your prayer, but Satan comes to hinder. Now here's the thing. You don't have to wait like Daniel. Right, you're gonna have to endure and resist the devil when he tries to hinder you. But Daniel couldn't—he couldn't take authority over Satan and rebuke him in this situation because he was an Old Testament saint and the cross hadn't happened. Now we can. Me and you can use our authority and rebuke Satan. We can pray in our heavenly language and and we can pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. For because if you're believing for something. Like I'll give you an analogy. Once you know we were believing for our property to sell, and uh, in any ways, um, I, I knew that when I released my faith, and me and my wife released our faith, we prayed, and I knew that the, when we prayed, we said, "Father, we're believing for a buyer for this duplex that we're selling." an investment property, and I believe that he answered me the very second because his word says that as long as I pray according to his word, that I hear him or that he hears me and that he answers immediately. Okay. And because he had actually spoken to me to sell that property. Okay. So I said, okay, Father, then I believe I receive, we believe we receive a buyer for that. Well, then stuff was kind of dragging out. And so here's the thing. I didn't know how Satan was hindering that. God was, he was faithful immediately and that he spoke to somebody Right, he spoke to somebody immediately and put it on their, you know, spoke to them about buying the property. But here's the thing: is God uses people to bless us, and if He can't hinder me, He's going to hinder the person that's trying to buy the property. So here's the thing: I don't know how we didn't know how Satan was hindering the sale of that property. So you know what we do? You know what we did is I, I set aside time and said, Father, I don't know how the I don't know how the enemy is hindering this, but I'm going to set aside some, t- some time to pray in the Spirit, to pray in tongues, because in Romans chapter eight it says that when I don't know how to pray as I should, that you Holy Spirit help me to come alongside me, help me to pray and intercede the perfect will of God. And so I didn't know how Satan was hindering that. So you know what I did? I set aside some time, started praying in the spirit. And you know what happened? Boom. It's like 
after I, after I set aside that time, stuff started rolling. Stuff started happening. Why? Because I didn't know how Satan was hindering me. See, Daniel didn't have the authority. He didn't have the spirit of God in him. He didn't have the authority of God like we have now. He didn't have the ability to pray in tongues and all that stuff. So all he could do is, is try to just outlast the devil, just tire him out. But now when I'm believing for something and, 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 I, and I, I pray according to word, boom, it's answered immediately. But here's the thing is that I, Satan's going to try to come and, and hinder that. So what do I do? I, I use the authority that I have. I, I have, I use the, the ability to pray in tongues like I have so that I can then pray against, cause I don't know how, I don't know how Satan's hindering me. You don't know how Satan's hindering you, but the Holy Spirit does. And that's the importance of praying in tongues. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need that so much. You will live a defeated life until you have that. So you need to you need to receive that. All right? You need to have that. You can look at and and with Jesus. He was born with a perfect spirit, right? Then he got water baptized, and after he comes up out of the water, it says the spirit of God descended upon him. That's all three things. That's that's so that's you know, we're we get born again, boom, we're we're on par with with Jesus. Whenever we get saved, we're, we're now on par with him. He got water baptized, then we need to get water baptized. He got spirit baptized, then we need to get spirit baptized. All right? So we need to follow his example because this is how we're going to live an overcoming life. Okay. So but so then I started praying in the spirit, right? I started, that wasn't in my notes. I just felt like I was a little tangent there. But you need that. You need that gifting, right? You can receive it. Jesus is the baptizer with of, with the Holy Spirit. He baptizes, he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Right. One of these days, I want to talk about the three baptisms. Right. Because Hebrews says that um, I think it's chapter six, verse two, I believe, talks about baptisms, plural. Well, you get baptized into Christ. You get water baptized. And then you in Jesus then Jesus then baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. You get water baptized by a disciple. And then the, then Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Right. And we'll talk about that. On later episode and stuff, but you need that. So here's the thing: is I was we we prayed, believed, you know, God answered us immediately. But then we didn't know how Satan was hindering that person that God had spoken to to buy our property. So what do I do? Oh, the Holy Spirit helps helps us with our weakness. What is that weakness? I don't know how to pray. I don't know what He's doing. The Holy Spirit does. So then I set aside time, prayed in the Spirit. Boom, things got rolling, and that's what happened. So I want to draw a, a contrast between here is that you have authority that Daniel didn't have. He was an Old Testament saint. But what I do want you to see is we're talking about there's a spirit realm, right? And that then God moves in the spirit realm. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not exist. It doesn't exist. Okay. So God moved immediately in both of these times, chapter nine and chapter 10, immediately God answered his prayer, but Daniel didn't see it. Right. So then Satan was trying to hinder him and stuff. And so now Daniel couldn't resist and, and rebuke this rebuke Satan because he didn't have authority over him. But we do, and so now you can do that. So here's the thing. God moves in the spirit. So here's the thing. Here's the key. Daniel was looking forward in faith to what Jesus would do. Today, as New Testament, as New Testament believers, we look back to what God has already done through Christ. See, God was, Jesus, sorry, Daniel was looking forward for God to do something. But now at the in the New Testament, we are looking back to everything that God has already accomplished and already done through Christ. So we're, where Daniel was trying to get God to do something, we're no longer, we're not trying to do that. We're, we're simply becoming aware of everything that God has already done for us in Christ. Jesus said, it is finished. 
it was it wasn't the, the just him getting nailed to the cross and stuff and him dying wasn't just finished no the complete work of redemption of everything that God purchased for you in Christ was finished that was for you to be born again you know spirit spirit filled for you to have you know all your needs met with abundance and prosperity for your body to be healed for you to have peace and wisdom and joy and all all these things he when Jesus said it's finished, God gave you everything in the spirit realm. Spirit realm, He gave it to you through Christ. So this leads me to my next point. God has already moved. God has already moved. God is a spirit. We said that, John 4, 24. So God is a spirit, and he moves in the spirit world. So here's the thing. We can't perceive with our five senses everything that God has given us already through Christ. You can't see that. No more than you can see a signal on your, your cell phone or see a Wi-Fi signal. You can't see everything that God has already in Christ done for you. It's a completed deal. It's a complete work. He's already done it, but you can't see it. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. doesn't mean that it's not real, just like Hebrews. All right, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It didn't say they don't exist. It just is saying that your five senses, your sight, your hearing, your tasting, your smelling, your feeling can't perceive it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist just like the signal for your phone doesn't exist. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Okay, so here's the thing. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Like I said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, that he shows us and reveals to us everything God has already given us, right? This is why we need his Spirit, God's Spirit, to reveal to us that He's already moved and that he's already given it to us. See, here's the thing. God's already moved. God's already given you everything you need, and we're going to see that. He's already moved. He's already given you everything you need. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. All right? So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. This is Paul speaking. All right? You need to read Ephesians. Go back and read Ephesians and see it's not Paul saying, Hey, church, I pray that you, I pray that God does some stuff for you. No, it was him praying, Father, I pray give them a revelation, everything you have already done. Stop begging God for him to do stuff. You need to begin to understand and realize, get the revelation of everything he's already done. And when you understand that, then your faith begins to work, and then faith and grace working together, you receive what he is by grace already provided. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Hold up. It's a language of redemption, right? It's past tense. So he says, listen, man, God is so great. Bless his holy name. Why? Because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. See, God has already moved. If you need healing, he's already moved. You need prosperity, he's already moved. Wow, through Jesus Christ. The, the crown of thorns on his head, the blood, of, the blood of Jesus that trickled down his brow, paid for your prosperity. The stripes on his back, paid for your healing. Right, the, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, so now you have peace with God. You cannot just have the peace of God, but you, or peace with God, but you can have the peace of God. See, God's already moved. He's already done everything that he's going to do for you. You've got to learn that, hey, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. And by faith, you learn to release your faith in the unseen promise of God that he has given you, and then you release your faith and say, Father, I believe. Lord, I don't care what my body says. I am healed. And as you believe and hold fast and, and, and hold fast to that promise, then boom, that promise that's in the spirit world that God has given you now manifests and changes your natural physical world, and now your body changes. See, you, we change from the inside out. 
So that we got it. We change from the inside out. We're trying to change the outside. No, get you need to get the word of God in your mind. Your spirit's already got the word of God in it. You've got resurrection power inside of you. See, we change from the inside out. You got to get your mind renewed to everything that God has deposited on the inside of you. And then you release everything that God has given you. Right. He's given you wisdom, knowledge, peace, healing, resurrection. power. He's given you all that stuff. But you it's a transformation from the inside out. When you get saved, God deposited all that stuff on the inside of you. But then you, your mind, man, everything in your spirit has to flow through your mind, Ephesians chapter 4. And if your mind is not renewed to the Word of God, then everything that God has deposited in your born-again spirit can't manifest out. And then, man, you're just, you're just left without the promises of God. So here, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and it's saying the same thing that Paul said. So he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Hold up, grace. We talk, right? We're talking about we receive by faith, or we receive by faith through grace, or we receive by grace, excuse me, through faith. Well, how is grace multiplied? God has already, He's already, uh, you know, Titus chapter two, verses eleven and twelve says that the grace of God has appeared to all men. God has already, He's already given His grace, but you you don't enjoy it or experience it in without knowledge. So. You don't need you don't need necessarily for God to give you more grace, but you you will experience more of the grace He's already given through knowledge. See, that's why grace and peace are multiplied to us through knowledge, and that's what you're getting today. You're getting knowledge, and so God's already given His grace to you. But as you come to a knowledge of Him and, and Jesus and His Son and what He's already done, then it's multiplied to you. He's already given it, but you're going to experience more of it as you realize He's already done it, and your faith then receives what He's already done. Let's continue on. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, hold up. That's the language of redemption. He's saying the exact same thing that Paul said. God, by his divine resurrection power, has already given us everything. He's given us all things that pertain to life. Well, what do you need in your life? God has already given it to you. See, I said earlier that faith can't receive what grace hasn't already provided. So we're understanding God has already blessed you with everything you need for life. So now your faith works so you can receive by faith what God has already given and done for you in Jesus Christ by grace. Man, that gets me excited. All right. It's, but it's through the knowledge. Notice that. It says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So here's the thing. God has already given it, but you need knowledge. Apart from knowledge, Hosea 4, 6 says, for lack of knowledge, people perish. You can perish if you don't have right knowledge, wrong knowledge will kill you and lack of knowledge will kill you in any area of your life. If any of your area of your life is suffering, then you have a lack of knowledge because Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth so such shall set you free. So if you're not experiencing the truth and the power of the word of God, if you're not experiencing the promises, then there's something there that needs to be changed in your thinking and your belief system so you can experience what God has given you. But here's the thing. Let's keep on. It says that he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Uh, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Hold up. How does God give us everything? See, your faith is simply going to receive the promises that God has already given you. He gives you everything you need through a promise. Well, God is a spirit. He moved in the spirit. Everything he's given you is there in the spirit. But the only way for you to access it is you have to believe the promise. And then when you believe the promise by faith, you begin to receive what he has already given by grace. And notice this. It says that through these, so uh, he has given us these exceedingly great and precious promises, and that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. 
Now, hold up. You say, why is this important? Why is this important? Because then it's not a matter of asking God to do it, but it's a matter of believing that it's already done and then you releasing it to manifest. This changes the game. Your faith becomes a bridge now. Because here's the thing, is it's not a matter of getting God to do it. It's simply rather you believing that it's already done, because it is already done, but it's a matter of you believing that it's already done, and you simply just releasing it to manifest, because God's already done it. Man, that's powerful. Let me give you a quick uh, quick example. So I've always had a strong back and stuff, but man, like several uh, weeks or maybe even a couple months ago now, um, just out of nowhere, I just had where my, my back, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't walk hardly. It was, I don't know if it was sciatic. I don't know what it was. I didn't go to the doctor because I didn't need a diagnosis because I had the word of God. And it didn't matter what it was called or what it was. I knew I was healed by faith, but it, my, I couldn't walk. I couldn't sleep at nighttime. I, I couldn't lay on my side because it hurt. I couldn't lay back and straighten out because when I did that at the bottom base, middle part of my back, it just hurt. And so, but you know, I, I, w- I spoke to it and stuff and I, I would speak the word and speak, speak life to it and stuff, but I, I kind of just was tolerating it, you know, didn't really get angry. Just didn't really just get fed up with it. I was tolerating it. And one night I was laying there it was about two o'clock in the morning and tears streaming down my face. Cause I was in pain laying on my back. And I just said, you know what devil, I'm not just going to take it lying down. I said, I'm gonna, I said, you want to fight? I said, I'll get up and fight. You're not going to mess with me. I said, you're not going to keep me from my healing. So I got up slowly, put my, put some, uh, some running clothes on. This is two o'clock in the morning. I said, you want a street fight? I'll, let's take this out in the street. I said, I'm not just going to take this de- laying down. I'm going to take what's mine. You're not going to hold back from me what is mine. And so I went outside walking you know, slowly and gingerly and stuff because it hurt. But I'm not going to let my body dictate to me what the, I believe the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. So I started walking up and down the street. All right. Because here's the thing is the word of God says in first Peter two twenty four by his traps, you were healed. Well, I was already healed. Jesus, it's already done in the spirit world. It's up to me to believe by faith what God has already done. So he's already healed me. I'm not begging God. I'm not asking God to heal me. His word says that he's already healed me. So if it doesn't manifest, it's on my end, not on his end. It's on the receiving end, not on the, the giving end. Does that make sense? It's just like with satellite. It's not, it's on the, it's my receiver. What needs to be fixed, not the transmitter. He's transmitted healing to me and given it, but I, I have my receiver. If I haven't received it, then something's wrong with my receiver. So I said, you know what? Okay, Lord, I, I thank you. You've already healed me. So I started walking up and down the street. I started running and it hurt every step of the way. I was speaking to it. And I was like, no, Lord, thank you. You've already healed me. Thank you. I'm already healed. I did cartwheels. It hurt. Right. So, but here's the thing is I was making, I wasn't making God do it, but I was making that which he has already given manifest for me. See, my faith was simply receiving by grace what he's already provided. He paid for that healing 2000 years ago. So if I don't receive it, it's not that he didn't give it. It's the fact that I didn't receive it. Well, here's the thing in the spirit world. See my body, in the natural, I mean, we talked about earlier how sometimes the spirit world and the natural world don't line up. They don't agree. Well, in, in, the, in the natural world, my body was, my back was hurting, right? It was hard to walk, let alone try to jog, let alone trying to run or do cartwheels. But in the spirit world, I knew God, your promise says that I'm already healed. See, they weren't lining up. So what did I do? I focused on, okay, God, in the spirit world, I don't see it in the na- in the natural right now, but in the physical, I'm already healed. So in the name of Jesus, I, I, spoke, I spoke that. I had corresponding actions. I wasn't just going to lay there in bed. If I believe I'm healed, I'm going to have corresponding actions. God, I'm already healed. I don't care how much my body's screaming at me right now in pain. I have 
what your word says is mine. So by faith, I'm going to I'm going to release my faith through my actions. It wasn't me trying to make God do it. God healed me 2000 years ago through Jesus. Sorry. So it wasn't a matter of me asking God to do it. It was rather me believing that it was already done. And then just releasing what was already in the spirit. In the spirit, I, I'm already healed. But I just needed, my faith had to become a bridge to get what God had already done in the spirit. It's there. It existed. It's there. I wasn't describing something that wasn't real. I wasn't just off in la-la land. No, it, my healing is there in the spirit world. Just because I can't see it, remember, doesn't mean it's not there. And if he says I'm healed, I am healed. So then my faith begins to bridge. So then I started walking running, moving, it still hurt. It didn't immediately go out that night, but I spent over an hour on the street that night praising God, worshiping, walking and stuff, and it got better. It didn't disappear right away, but that wasn't because God. That's because I you know, was still getting my heart, myself in a place of faith to receive it. But you know what? I kept that attitude that, you know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, that from the time of John the Baptist up until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. See, God has already given it to you, but you got to take what God has already given you. But faith, faith isn't making God do it. Faith is understanding. God already healed me 2,000 years ago through Jesus, and I am not making him do anything. I am simply, my faith is receiving actively and aggressively what he has already given me, and I'm not going to let anything deter me or keep me from that, right? So then I just kept that attitude of faith, you know, and then boom, in the next couple of days, I stood on my, I stood on the ground, uh, the word of God, and then now my back's completely healed and stuff. And that's how you can receive your healing. You just have to get fed up with 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 the situation. Sometimes people, Christians, aren't angry enough at the situation to want to change. You should get ang- You should be angry at being poor. You should be angry at sickness. You should be angry at disease. Right? You, if 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 God says what's you know, the definition of righteousness is defined by God in uh, Isaiah chapter forty five, and he the definition of righteousness is what God calls right. You need to if, if whatever your situation is, you need to find out what God says is right about your situation. And I knew what His Word says was right about my situation. That I am healed. That I am blessed. That the lame shall leap like a deer. That a lame shall walk. That I am healed. I can jump and sing and dance before the Lord. Right. I knew his his word told me what was right in my situation and what was right. Me being healed. It is not God's will and is not right for you to be sick or depressed or poor or broken or disgusted or all distressed or all those things. It is not God's will. So but you got to figure out and you got to get in the word and figure out and find out what God says is right about your situation. You got to get in the word. All right. Now here, let's move to the next segment. Faith is a bridge. You see, faith is simply a bridge that God's provision uses to cross out of the spirit realm into the physical realm. I'm going to say that again. Faith is simply the bridge that God uh, that God's provision uses to cross out of the spirit realm into the physical realm. Now, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, but I'm going to read it in the NIV because I like the way they phrased it here. All right? It says, through these... He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. Hold up. See, here's the thing. You have to participate. The the promises of God don't automatically come to pass in your life. You had to believe by faith that Jesus paid for your sins for you to get saved. It It didn't automatically come to pass. Then if that's how the promise of God for salvation comes into your life, then that's how every promise is going to come to to manifestation in your life. You have to choose to participate. It says, so that through these, talking about the promises, through the promises, you may participate. It's a choice. 
You know, some people teach wrong and you hear wrong doctrine at churches and talk about how, you know, God's going to make you sick and God wants you broke and all this other stuff. And they are taught wrong. And then that is that destroys their life or they they never choose. They may hear it at the church about, you know, well, it is God's will for me to be healed and it is God's will for me to be abundantly prosperous. It is God's will for me to do you have to, to be an overcomer and all these other promises. But you have to participate. You have to willingly choose to participate in God's divine nature. And that's what it says through the promises through them so that you may participate in the divine nature. What is that? That's a resurrection power. Ephesians three twenty says that to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to, or in proportion to his power that is in operation within us. So here's the thing. God has put his power in you to work through you, his resurrection power, that divine power. But if you don't put that thing to work, it is going to sit there dormant and not do anything in your life. See, God has put resurrection power, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. The same or Romans chapter 8, verse 11, sorry. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you, and he who raised Christ from the dead will quicken, cause to live, rejuvenate, revitalize your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. See, God puts resurrection power in you, but you have to participate with the promises to activate the divine nature, the resurrection power that's in you. You have to participate with the promise. Just because the promise is there doesn't mean it's going to manifest no more than if I write you a million-dollar check and it's good, if, if I write it for you and you never go and cash that thing, you didn't participate. It's not that I didn't give it to you. It's the fact that you didn't participate by faith and do your part. See, there's a God part and a man part. That's what we're talking about. You, In order for you to understand faith, you have to understand the relationship between faith and grace. See, faith isn't making God do something. Grace, by God's grace, he's already done everything you need. But you, So your faith is simply receiving what he's already done. We talked about that in one of the previous episodes about it's like a gift. See, the gift is given, but it has to be received. Right, man, that's powerful. So here's another key: whether what's spiritually true ever manifests itself in the physical realm or not, is not dependent upon God answering your prayer, but whether we can, by faith, reach over into the spiritual realm and bring what He's already done into physical manifestation. I'm gonna say that again: whether what's spiritually true ever manifests itself in the physical realm or not, isn't dependent upon God answering prayer. But whether we can, by faith, reach over into the spiritual realm and bring what he's already done into this physical manifestation. See, people that want to talk about, well, it's just, you know, God does everything and they just want to they just want to uh, uh, talk about the, the sovereignty of God, that God controls everything. That's not what the word teaches. See, they want to they want to cop out. They want to they want to escapism from the responsibility for them to believe the promises. If somebody dies and goes to hell, it's not that God doesn't didn't provide a way for them to be saved. Whosoever shall believe can become saved. Right in the book of John, Jesus talking about whosoever, he didn't come to condemn the world, but whosoever should believe should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, the promise is already given, but we have to choose to believe that promise to experience and enjoy that promise. Well, here's the thing if God didn't just save you, right, it wasn't just by grace. It wasn't just by faith. You didn't make God save you. He sent Jesus to die long before you were even born. So you didn't make him save you, right? But it's not just God's grace. You had to participate by faith. Because here's the thing, if it's just God's grace, the entire world will be saved because Titus chapter eleven verse uh, Titus chapter two verse eleven and twelve says that the grace of God has appeared to all men. Well, if the grace of God has appeared to all men, then everybody be saved. But it's by grace through faith. So God has already provided a way for you to be healed. 
but you got to receive by faith. He's already provided a way for you to be or be saved. You got to receive by faith. He's already received or provided a way for you to be uh, healed, but you got to receive it. Same thing for your prosperity. Any other promise, you have to participate in those promises. Let's um, move on. Hebrews chapter four, verse two. It says this. For, for indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. you got to mix what you hear with faith. you got to mix your faith what, with what you're hearing now. So remember, it's by grace through faith. God doesn't do things without us, and we certainly can't do anything without him. God is the one who must provide something in the first place in the Spirit. Right? See, God has already commanded your answer in the form of a promise in his word, by grace, but it has to come from the spiritual world into the physical world by faith through your participation. I'm going to say it again. God is already, remember, just like Daniel, God has already answered. He's already moved. Now, he's already moved for us 2,000 years ago. So God has already commanded your answer in the form of a promise. He's already spoken. He's already answered your prayer even before you've asked it because he's already answered and given you everything you need for life and godliness. God has already commanded your answer in the form of a promise. Right, That's his grace. But it has to come from the spiritual world into the physical world by your faith through participation. you got to participate. Remember, faith simply receives what grace has already done. God, by grace, has already done everything. Faith isn't something we do to make God move. Faith is our positive response to what he's already done. Here's a key. Since God has already done it, faith is simple. It's not a struggle. Since God has already done it, faith is simple. It's not a struggle. We don't have to try to twist God's arm, right? Faith is simply all responding in a positive way to what God has already done. Now I'm going to close. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 says this, For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Now here's the thing. Let's look at two words, the word testament and the word testator. The word New Testament, right, in your Bible, it means new covenant or new will. All right, the word testament means a person's will. So the New Testament is God's will. The New Testament is God's will. Okay, so if you're wanting to know what God's will for your life is, you need to know. You need to get in the New Testament and find out because the testament is God's will. That is a person's will. Now, the testator is this because it says that the will, the testament, is in force only after men are dead. So just like if somebody leaves you some money or leaves you an inheritance, it doesn't go into effect until after that person dies. Well, the will of God, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the testament. That's what God says is yours. That's the will. It went into effect whenever Jesus died. That's what this is saying. So the testator is a person who has written and executed a last will right before they died, and, test, and the testament, and they testify, um, the testament goes into effect at the time of their death. All right, so a testator is any person who makes a will. Well, that's what that's what Jesus did. Jesus was the Jesus when he died, that will of God went into effect. But you got to know, just like an inheritance, when if somebody died and left you something, if you never go find out what legally belongs to you, that's on you. And it's not that it wasn't given; it's the fact that you didn't find out what was in it and take the time to go legally appropriate and take ownership of what God has already given you. So here's the key: write this down. The will. Or the testament describes what has been left behind as an inheritance. It describes what has already been done. Man, that's powerful. Hey, guys, well, listen, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to Power for Victorious Living. 
Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the website at powerforvictoriousliving.com. And remember, the gospel has the power to help you live a victorious life.